All right, welcome back. This is the first time we actually are on Spotify. And boy, am I excited because we've been talking about it for so long and I have, I guess, just been lying to everyone every time. I'm like, yep, it's gonna be on this week, but now it is. So, wow, we finally did it. <laughs> yep, finally on Spotify, definitely a good thing. Um, I think it'll make it more palatable and it's a better, uh, a better way to consume this type of uh, content. So definitely happy to be up on Spotify finally and hope everyone enjoys it as well. Yeah, they don't have to stare at our faces. They can follow us on Instagram or Twitter if they want to do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, well, let's exactly. dive right in. The first thing I want to talk about is I know we both looked into Robinhood got a giant fine for, uh, it was pretty recently. I, you probably know more about this than I do. I barely glanced over it. Yeah, so um, what I saw, I didn't look into it too deeply, but I believe they got around a 70 or $80 million fine. Um, and on the surface, uh, the, the surface level reasoning behind this fine was that they put um, people in harm's way, essentially. They set up their consumers in a way to fail and put them in danger and at risk is kind of how, uh, how it was defined. Now, I'm sure there's a lot deeper um, I'm sure it goes much deeper than that, but how I see it is it's, it's almost like they created a gambling platform and, uh, and they, you know, they got hit pretty hard with that. Um, so what are your thoughts on this fine? Do you think it's a proper step in the right direction to handling the whole Robinhood situation from, uh, from a couple months ago with the AMC and the GameStop stocks and all that? Well, it's kind of wild. It's like we, we've never been in a more free market than we are now. And it's probably only going to get even freer, which is nice. As you know, libertarian over here, I'm all about let the market sort itself out. But I mean, at the same time, you look at basically you look at what happened in the past few months it was just absolute insanity with everything that's going on and still going on. And it definitely makes me happy because everything has like gone back to normal and it's like relaxed. And you start to see everyone's like filing sing, their single file just piling back into equities. And even the bond markets are recovering, which is wild. Bonds are like the complete polar opposite of cryptocurrency. They're just slow, boring, you know exactly what you're getting. There's no fun. But I I, I don't like stuff like this because it forces me to choose a side that I don't want to pick. <laughs> I look at it, I'm like, all right, <laughs> on one side, heck yeah, free markets. Let people shoot themselves in the foot and then figure it out later. But the other side, we lost a lot of value there, like a lot. And man, finding someone $70 million for something like that is probably not that much for them, but they're not even a public company yet, are they? I, can't, um, I don't remember. I don't believe so. Um, in terms of uh, them being a public company, all I know is right now Robinhood is allowing users to buy Robinhood stock on Robinhood. Oh, that's right. So, you can buy their IPO on their own platform. That's yeah. wild. Oh, my God. Imagine if Schwab <laughs> or Stanley did that. That would not go well. Yep. So I don't think you can't. So you can't buy any Robinhood stock on any other platform unless you're on Robinhood. Is that how it works? Yeah, that makes sense because they're not public yet. That's that's what I saw before. Is that they're they're like so IPOs have always been such a stressful topic for anyone on Wall Street because like so for us retail traders we look at it and we're like oh my god IPOs are so easy they all spike as soon as they go public it's just not true the reason they spike is because there's so much there's so much insider money in it. By the time you get to it, it like they've already taken their profits and gotten out. So, like the little guys always get screwed in this stuff. But Robinhood, you know, the champion of the people over there, they're like, you can now trade our IPO before it exists yet. The SEC has to be absolutely drooling at how much they're going to try to ping them for this. <laughs> you think they'll tack on an additional fine on top of the seventy million for? Uh for this? I don't know if they can find him for that. I know Gary Gensler, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, because yeah, he mm -hmm. comes back into play here. He is, he's definitely sitting at his desk just like, how can I ruin their day? Like, 
because I mean he's a he's a reg, he's a regulation shark. It's, all he really wants to do is make sure everything's like secure and everything, and which I'm perfectly fine with. We don't want to lose more value than we need to, but at the same, isn't it fun to just push the envelope and we're like, what what can we do? Like, what why don't we try these new systems? I mean, what if this is a commonplace thing two years from now? What if you can literally go on any like you can go on your E Trade account and trade pretty much any IPOs? That would totally upend everything. The big boys would lose fifty percent of their power immediately. That's where people make their money. They get the private shares. Yep. And then um, I actually just pulled it up on my phone here. Mm -hmm. uh, just curious. I know this is kind of a change of topic, but wanted to see what GameStop stock was at. And it's still trading at $191 per share, which is oh, just my God. <laughs> fascinating that people are still valuing it at it over $150, like a, a dead chain. It's but so I mean, wild. Did it's kind of like what you mentioned is pushing the envelope. It's interesting to see what the public can do whenever you get everyone on the same page. Gosh, I mean, I, I, I loosely <laughs> keep track of that to where the new CEO, there, there's some new guy in charge who's basically trying to restructure everything and turn it into like a, like a merchandising type of thing. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, you know as well as I do and as well as pretty much any 20-year-old man or woman on this planet who has grown up playing video games, there's no money in video games nowadays. The prices have not adjusted. Your profit margins mm -hmm. are zip. Yep, and no one's buying discs anymore. I mean, yeah, why would you? You see it with the new generation of consoles. If you, you can buy a PS5 or an Xbox Series X for a hundred to two dollars, a hundred to two hundred dollars cheaper if you just buy one without the disc drive. Yeah, we literally made everything more efficient, and it's awesome. But it did yeah. come at the cost of there's a whole lot of people not making any money that are slaving their butts off forty five hours a week and fifty hours a week doing mm -hmm. these things. My idea was. To get GameStop relevant again, I think they're pivoting in the wrong direction. I don't think merchandising's a good way to go. Let's hear it. I've always said this, and if they steal this from me, I will be very upset if they listen <laughs> you to You have no rights to their company. <laughs> yep, I will be very upset. But I always said they should try to pivot more towards kind of how Valve has their Steam store on PC. They should almost make a third party marketplace where you can buy games. But are you talking about like uh, like uh, what Apple and Epic Games are going through right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think they should make us like a storefront, but be able to put it. They would never allow this, but if they could put it on Sony's system or Microsoft system, then you could just undercut them, kind of like Steam does on with PC gaming. You could charge like thirty bucks for a download of a game and just have regular deals. And it'd almost be more like a, like a streaming service, almost. I don't know. Yeah, I think you just like recreated you buy Netflix in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Because now Netflix is doing do all their own that. movies. Like, that, that's how they're beating out the, the other people. Mm -hmm. Shoot, I like that idea. I actually think that's a, that, well, it's, it's like a huge investment. So if they took all that giant pile of equity money they got and they did your exact idea, they might be okay. Yep, I, that's the only way I can see years. to salvage it. You got to get away from the brick and mortar business model, mm -hmm. kind of like what happened with Blockbuster and Netflix. Blockbuster stayed with the brick and mortar model, and they died, and Netflix adapted and became what they are today—a powerhouse. Yeah, they pretty much dominate. Although, yeah, I, I love how saturated that market has gone because you basically have to pick like three, unless you're unless you're insane and you can just afford to have 12 different streaming services and not have it affect your monthly bill at all, which I'm not in a position to be doing that right now. It's just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. I can't consume that much content. You kind of have to like pick and choose what you want. Exactly. And it's interesting seeing all these uh, companies realize that they own a lot of these properties. So why don't they just make their own streaming service and then they can put all their properties on their own. So now you have Discovery, Paramount, um, Peacock, 
uh, still have Netflix, Hulu, Disney, and they, I mean, sooner or later, you're going to have one for every single media company out there that owns any type of property. I mean, Amazon even has their own streaming service now. Yeah, Amazon Prime Video. So yep. I was thinking about that. Amazon kind of, they tried to do this a little while ago. They basically said, we're going to be your one-stop shop for everything. It didn't work because they had the audio. They have like Amazon Audio, which kind of has basically the same exact thing that Spotify does, but... Why the heck would you use that when Spotify is just a, it's just like an easier system to use. It makes my brain happier to open up the little green app and push the button. Mm. But I mean, they, they do everything else. So why couldn't they? Amazon. <laughs> that's, that's literally just the answer. Just Amazon. All right. Yeah. Let's switch back before we get too far. Cause I want to talk about the payment for order flow thing. So do you know what payment for order flow is? Payment for order flow. I'm sorry. Payment for order. No, flow. I do not. So this is, it's in the, it's in the financial world. It's kind of a controversial topic. So whenever, whenever we're on our little apps and we're, we're swiping up and sending trades through basically these brokerage houses like Robin Hood, Charles Schwab, Morgan Stanley, you know, the big ones that I always reference, they essentially sell the right, they, they sell the right to fulfill the order to someone who can do it faster. So there's these smaller okay. secondary brokerages that basically buy, they buy the right to do that and then they make their money off the spread. So you can see how there might be a little bit of a conflict of interest here because they're they're making money selling your trades and you know of course it creates another marketplace to which you're getting the best value for what you can but now you've got an extra middleman and the conflict of interest is interesting so Gary Gensler who we talked about before is the new guy running all the regulations for this type of thing he um, he's, he's considering banning it and I actually need to look to how far how long this has been going on because I, this is not a new thing i just want to know when it started i assume you know it was probably in like the 60s a long time like as soon as things started getting a little bit faster but i don't know it'd be very interesting if that gets banned let's say if he bans this would it would it affect the uh the brokerage firms like would it slow down the speed at which orders could be fulfilled then if they can't outsource it to a to a smaller brokerage that could fulfill orders to my understanding that's exactly right because basically what's going to happen is that they're going to lose their power they're going to have to do everything manually themselves so the big places aren't going to have an issue with this because they've got trading floors with hundreds and hundreds of analysts sitting up in new york and chicago all these big places but the tiny little firms like Robinhood can't outsource their work now so mm -hmm. if you know like in this hypothetical world what i have to assume is that what it would do i I think it would become more costly for the consumer, but I need to logic through that before I make it. So nobody yell at me for this because it's not fair if you do. <laughs> I, I, I'm admitting right now I don't know the exact outcome, but I think it would be more costly to the consumer. Yep. So how how I'm uh, figuring this out or thinking about this is so the larger firms, as we said, like Charles Schwab would be okay. But then if you look at the smaller firms like Robinhood or Webull mm -hmm. or some of these other uh, more consumer friendly um they would have to charge you a commission i think i think what would happen is that we'd have to bring back commissions because you know robin hood got famous off no commission trading right and yep. then everyone had to follow suit because ev like all the customers immediately left they're like we don't want to pay 8.99 for a trip i used to do that i remember the days when i would pay nine dollars in and out that sucks if you have a tiny account it's <laughs> horrible yeah i mean you know obviously if you're managing well over 100 grand like anything above 100 grand it's it's laughably enough. It's nothing. It doesn't matter. But you have to make if you're you know if you're a kid just starting on the markets. That means you have to make eighteen dollars every single time you go in on a hundred dollar investment, which is a small average investment for someone just starting out. It's eighteen percent. That's kind of a 
that that's a pretty fat return. I mean, like, I don't mm. want to see commissions come back. I would be so sad. Yeah, I see it as a good way to, you know, just kind of restrict the market and make sure we don't have another issue where GameStop and AMC blow up again, you know? Yeah, there'd then, be less trading. Volumes would be down. It, it'll almost be like going backwards if he ends up passing this. So I would, I would hate to see that happen. Isn't it funny? We were just talking about pushing the envelope and trying new things, and now something new is coming, and we're like, new. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know. I, I think we got good reasons for it. All right. Yes. Let's move on to the next one. So I was reading, the Wall Street Journal put out an awesome article, and they've had it up, I think it's been about a week since it went up, and it was talking about how the largest wealth transfer in history is happening. And it was over some period of time, but like this generation is basically slow, our generation, I guess, and the, well, I take that back the millennials, like the ones right above us, are inheriting about $35 billion in total or something like that. It's, it's like an absurd amount of money. And so what they're saying is basically the millennials are gonna be the richest generation to have ever lived in the next 10 years as on, you know our grandparents basically you know, fall over and croak is all that inheritance money immediately <laughs> goes right to the millennials. And so there's a few layers to this one that I think are interesting because one, if it's in trust accounts, we don't know where it's going. Like it's in wills. Maybe people are more generous than we think. I, you know, I'm inclined to think everyone wants to be a good person. There might be a whole lot more going to charity than we think. That'd be fascinating. You know, I never, th I never for one second, and this is very cynical of myself, <laughs> ever considered people dying and leaving their money to charities. Yeah, and it's I'm not, not getting it. I'm not getting a cent. <laughs> it's going yeah, to the Humane Society. They've already told me. <laughs> I'm ashamed of myself for thinking that way. But I never <laughs> once considered that people dying leave their money to charity. It's fascinating to think about. I mean, on one hand, I'm sure you want your your um, your children and their yeah, grandchildren to work hard and, and earn their own living. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, you think about the wealth transfer, like you mentioned. There's a lot of money that's going to end up uh, changing hands. And then you look at the millennial generation mm -hmm. and then the, the generation on the cusp, the 96, 97 babies. And we're all working extremely hard earning money. And then you're going to have all the money from generational wealth. And that'll end up changing hands and getting passed down. And you even think about the top 10%. I mean they're all getting old now too. I mean, the richest people in the world, Bill Gates, like he's not going to be around forever. What's he got another 10, 15 years, maybe 15 well, you, years. I'd say you've seen how the Gates That's family's unloading their money. Haven't you? Is it charities? Yeah. Melinda's basically just handing it off like crazy. She's doing a great job because she, I mean, are she's they divorced. Yeah, they are. And they're, <laughs> they're both handing out money like nobody's business, which is really cool to see. But you know, I, I assume they've got some high powered financial planner that's basically just written it out and they've said, look, you can literally, you can literally give away $10 million a year and not even worry <laughs> about it. Like the rest of your life, you won't even notice. Do these, um, top 10% of people like the Gateses and, uh, Warren Buffett, and his family, do they have children that are going to end up inheriting all this money? Do you know? Buffett does. I know he's got a couple. Um, and I've super ironically, he has, um, Damn, there's another article about this recently too. One of Buffett's kids is like a super kind of liberal artsy that just doesn't care about any kind of money whatsoever. And you're like, and like they have complete disagreements about everything having to do with capitalism and all these things. And I was like, Warren Buffett is quite literally our generation's like granddaddy of capitalism. As as funny as that yeah. is to think about, he is 
I mean, some people look at him and they're like, this guy's like half a god. <laughs> He's something else. It's well, that'll be weird. fascinating then to see if he'll give his uh, capitalist-hating son all his money or if that'll end up going into, <laughs> uh, I don't know, his firm. What would he do with it? Could he just reinvest the money into his firm? Dude, heck if I know. I, I, the financial world is so complicated. It's going to be so different in six months too. Yeah, I mean, we are at a large moment in history where a lot of things are going to change very quickly in the next five to 10 years, I think. I think so too. Well, so the other piece of that is what I was thinking about is, so obviously you and I, you and I know and we've established plenty of times is that money is essentially our measure of work. It's, it's like mm-hmm. comparing work in physics to, it's like a real life work. So basically that's why whenever someone's like, can't we just print $20 billion and immediately solve world hunger is like, well, you could, but it wouldn't actually do anything because you don't have the humans to, with the hands to do the work to make the thing happen, right? So how we spend our money, I think, is different from how our parents and how our grandparents have spent money. So as this money gets passed down, this this is like, it, it's not like a wealth transfer. It's like a power transfer, I think, which is going to, like, this is like our chance to prove ourselves, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see that. A lot of diff- a lot of things are valued differently in today's world too, mm-hmm. opposed to when our parents and grandparents were younger. Like they would put money away and save and save, and it would sit in the bank and it wouldn't get touched. Yep. And I feel like our generation and the younger generation nowadays is more focused on, as we discussed, you know, instead of just putting money away into a bank account, letting it sit there, you know, investing for the future, um, whether it's in Roth IRAs or the market. Um, and then also spending the money, like you said, on travel. There's a lot of emphasis on travel nowadays. You always see people traveling the world and then also buying things. Taking like, random gap years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gap year. There's just so much more to spend money on now. And uh, I think our generation is spending money quicker than the older generation as well. Sure. Well, uh, yeah, we live in such a weird time. I, I wish, I, you know, if time travel existed, it'd be really fun to go back 100 years just to see in like the 20s because, you know, obviously Great Depression coming up. That would have been coming up about 100 years from now, like 100 years ago, I think. What was that? Yeah. Um, when did that happen? 21, 22? 20s, yeah. It's, uh, what was it the end I, of the 20s? If it's not the 100th, 100 years ago, it's uh, it's coming up on 100, I would say. I think it was the end of the 20s. Like, because it wasn't, didn't we have the, we had the great market crash of like 29 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, you are right. Okay. Uh, great Depression happened uh, October 24th, 1929. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because it lasted until 1941. So Jesus Christ, I I can't imagine a bear market lasting. I can't imagine anything lasting that long nowadays. Like we just, gosh, what what did I see? It's like all I can think about whenever I see things nowadays. People complain, they whine, they're like, "Well, all these things are so wrong," and I'm like, "Dude." We've literally fixed pretty much every single problem in front of us. Humans just like, we love problems. We see them, we're like, oh, how do we fix this? And then we do. The recent mm-hmm. one was funny. So, you know, living in Florida, and I know you guys, you guys probably have the same problem up north, is uh, they were like, <laughs> how do we fix the deer population problem? There's too many. Our solution, mm-hmm. eat them. And I was like, that's just, that, that's it. There you go. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, we, we, we love problems and we always love fixing them. So I'm never worried about anything. Remember when we yeah. were kids, the big thing was like, like um, save the trees. You haven't heard save the trees in a while because we did. <laughs> we invented yeah. tree farms and monetized it. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, and definitely 
problems don't stick around as long as they used to. Like you said, like couldn't fathom something lasting from 1929 to 1941. Oh. I mean, that's 12 years. Yeah, and COVID's be, been around yeah. for what? I don't know, 13, 14 months. And we it's already. Much, yeah, we pretty much killed it in a year. And now we're just getting to like the outside. Actually, I can't say that. I'm not a scientist. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't want to be. I don't want to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, wait, oops, that was super wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But needless to say, it's not going to be around for the next 12 years. It's not going to take 12 years to solve that problem. I sure hope not. So I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Would you go to space? See, I don't think I would. <laughs> really? Why not? I don't think I would go to space. You just don't want to risk know. it? I, well, I feel like once the average consumer can buy a ticket upon a space shuttle to go to space, it's going to be, I don't know if it'll be affordable within our lifetime you don't but think if so? it was i i see i i don't know like i couldn't justify paying a couple hundred dollars to go to space just because a couple I, hundred <laughs> it's like it's like half a million <laughs> yeah but like i'm thinking like 30 years down the line maybe we'll get that price down that would be incredible i would love and that. uh but i see i can't justify it just for that experience I don't know. So I, I saw it this way. I was thinking about this myself because, you know, R Richard Branson's got his thing where he's virgin galactic and he's he's saying that within his lifetime and he's significantly older than both of us, he wants to monetize the space tourism industry and be the next big thing. You know, all I could think about was like, I really, I really don't want to do the whole thing with like the spaceship going off. That looks terrifying. Like I'm like a medium sized roller coaster guy. Anything above the medium <laughs> roller coaster. I'm like. I'm good. I'm good. It's going to mess my stomach up and I don't want to do that all day. You know, you can mm -hmm. call me what you want. It just isn't enjoyable. So if I could like teleport to space would totally do that. Oh man. Spend a week up there. That'd be wild. See, I don't know. I would need something to do when I'm up there before I would want to go up there. Video you'd, games have to in space. Put, you'd have to put like a, like a resort up there and be like, yeah, it's the greatest resort in the world. Come, you can drink for free and hang out for the week. I was going to say, you don't want to have like a floating ball of vodka, like floating around that you can chase after like floating around. <laughs> I mean, you could make it your yeah. own party. It would be a blast. It, it might be fun. I don't know. I, the jury's still out on that for me. I don't know. Sure. Well, even I, so, I, I hope you're wrong about that because I, I actually do kind of agree with you that it's probably not going to be affordable by the time that we all have, you know, families and responsibilities and settling, and settling down. And we're on the we're at the beginning end of that. But I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, when I'm 50, I'm probably going to look at that and say, you know, I just we just you know, we can't afford space this year, guys. Let's just go to Disney. Right. <laughs> Disney <laughs> becomes like the the second well, option. You know, the second play. Disney gets a hold of it, they will have Disney in space they'll do anything that would be worth going I, I might i might buy a ticket if you put disney world in space i haven't considered that universal in space would be awesome <laughs> holy cow that was <laughs> such a blast well so i always laugh because as this is we're constantly looking for like the next big new thing right and you know etfs and funds are the new hot thing in the finance market or they have been for a couple years and everyone's like you can just buy a couple funds and be done you don't have to worry about all the diversification that's true you know that's how i set up my retirement it's fantastic but every time something new comes out all the big funds vanguard etc blackstone iShares, they all try to immediately set up a fund that targets that new thing so there's now there's at least one i don't know how many there are space etfs and i'm sitting there thinking to myself there aren't enough companies making money going to space i don't think any of them do make any money going to space why would you do this 
Yeah. I, I mean, as of right now, nothing going to space, I feel like, is profitable. There's no money. <laughs> yeah. So I don't understand why. It's it's almost like the, elect, the electric car, whenever Elon first started that, he was losing money for so long. Shit, he might still be losing money. Like, all those electric car ETFs just started becoming profitable, I feel like, within the past year or so. Yeah, Tesla turned their first profit, I think, fourth quarter 2019. Don't quote me on that, but it was, I think it was mm -hmm. around then. And he, you know, he'd been pumping out cars since 2010. Yeah. Something like that. You know, the funny thing is those, those things are still rolling around. Like I see them once in a while. I see like a first generation Tesla Model S and it just looks pristine. And I'm like, wow, this is great. If <laughs> 10 year old cars that are internal combustion, they get used on the daily, they are beat. It's insane. Yeah. And I think it'll be really interesting within the next year or so here once uh, like Ford comes out with their first electric truck, like oh, the Ford F-150 oh, electric mm -hmm. um, Volkswagen, I know is getting close on a lot of uh, electric vehicles. I don't know if they're to market yet, but there's going to be a lot of uh, people getting their skin in the game here. We'll see how it affects uh, the first ones that were there, Tesla's, so. Yeah, I mean, his, offer, his offering is so much better just because it's affordable to the majority of the population. Mm -hmm. I mean, the base model, base model, Model 3 is, I think, 30000 before you start tacking on anything past that. Mm -hmm. You don't spend, you don't spend half as, money as much money as you do on gas. Electricity doesn't hardly cost you anything. It's just such a more cost-efficient thing. Unless, unless you can't afford, you know, a $30,000 car, which I also understand. There's plenty of people who cannot. But at the same time, then you look at Audi, and Audi's like, their bottom level, uh, $90,000. Wow. It, it's like they didn't learn. Yeah. Like BMW's that, that goes the same for way. all the other ones. I, I know Ford's probably selling their F-150 that's going to be electric for like, uh, I don't know, $85,000, $90,000. I'm going right to well. blow your mind right here. Thirty-five for the base model, close to fifty for the top level. For the F-150. Uh-huh. Isn't that awesome? Wow. That's incredible. I don't know how they did that. I have no idea. That's fascinating. Yeah, you have no reason not to get something like that besides size if you need to pull like tractors. Like all the guys I know, they're like diesel forever. I'm like, I, I understand. It's it's a fantastic system. There's fewer moving parts, but you have to pay more on in every single regard. Now there's a thing that can do more than your thing can in a better way more often, and it's cheaper. Your all your excuses are out the window. It, besides the, you know, the I just like it, which I also totally understand. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how it is with Teslas for me. You know, I just like it. If something could come along that's more economical, I, I don't know, you're selling luxury at a affordable yeah, you price. You finally got to drive one now. You get it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing nothing quite beats that zero to 60 in, I don't know how long. Was it like a, a the, second? The one you were, oh, shoot, nothing can go a second yet. That'd be why I think, well, <laughs> yeah. the one you it's felt was, great. I think, three and a half, which is still very fast. And yeah. That, that was with four people in the car. I think the yeah, fastest. Yeah, I miss. Car. I was driving my Kia around, and I missed the uh, <laughs> the Tesla. So I do the opposite, you know. Is I, I'm old fashioned and super easy to please. So you know, I, I I drive one of the electric ones, then I get back in my grumbly old Mustang, and I turn it on. I'm like, yeah, I'm like that. This is what I want. <laughs> it's slow as dirt, makes no sense, and I just love it. Gosh. Um, All right, the last one we're gonna touch on is there was yet another article that said it it was about. It was like, this family's seen increased year-over-year -year expenses. Why is that? And, you know, immediately I'm thinking, okay, yeah, a little bit of inflation going on. It's perfectly fine. We've had some hiccups in the supply chains. You know, we had the big ship get stuck for a while. That 
that was like butterfly effect out for the next few weeks. We're seeing home prices still going up. All the construction materials are still crazy, crazy high. But this article was absolute bogus and it kind of annoyed the heck out of me because I was looking at it and it was like, the 2021 costs for all these families line items compared to 2020. And I stopped and I was like, wait, 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 wait. You can't compare, you can't compare to last year. It's not a normal year. It doesn't make any sense. That's a bad comparison. Comparing any like 2020, you have to throw it out completely. Yeah, when no, I was, it's literally uh, an outlier. Yeah, when I was looking around for jobs in the analytics field um, a couple months ago or whatever, mm-hmm. not not looking for a job change quite yet, but just seeing what was out there. The one position I came across with one of the airlines was they needed people to determine the supply and demand of you know let's say a plane going from dallas to pittsburgh sure. on this weekend and you run the analytics figure out the supply and demand then you actually set the the price how much a ticket's going to be mm-hmm. and when i was speaking with them they, they said they they've had to throw out the 2020 data entirely i mean there's no data there for the airline industry really so they're still using numbers from 2019 to determine prices for 2021 yeah it's a as the scientists say um boof yeah yeah you can't you can't take anything into into account from 2020 and all the prices i mean it'll throw everything off well it um, did it did have a silver lining as it kind of solidified um supply chain management and logistics and that 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 form of economics is it was appearing as like college majors for a while for a few years and i think that that, that has really solidified in everyone's mind this is a good thing that we need to invest more in which i totally agree with mm-hmm. yeah i mean get the money into the market the government handed out so much money. A bunch of people, I mean, I know some people needed that money for uh, for expenses and stuff. But if you you didn't use it for life necessities, might as well put it in the market and uh, make money off of it. Shoot, I, mean, I agree with that. I, I, I'm going to have to look at the charts because we're running out of time here. But at some point, I'm going to find the charts of basically when everyone's like, if you would have pretty much gone all in March 2020, uh, uh, looking to now, it's going to make you feel really bad about yourself because you you probably could have retired. <laughs> <laughs> I know. A scary, horrible thing. Hindsight. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll close it off here. I'll get this all posted up and it's going to be awesome. And then we're going to have a second one done. I like, I like the two a week. I think two a week is good and we don't have to do 30 minutes every time. We can do like a shorter one, a longer one. Maybe try to get some people. I was going to start reaching out to people. Uh, I don't know who we want to talk to. Uh, we, we haven't figured that out yet, but we will. Mm-hmm. Yep. More good stuff to come. Uh, look forward to it. Happy to be on Spotify now. Heck yeah, dude. Okay. All right. We'll see you next week. Yep. Have a good one.